You know, like if people say like Mozart makes babies smart, Edgar Wright. <laughs> Edgar Wright makes twenty-somethings uh, <laughs> talk faster. <laughs> Welcome back to Are You Watching Closely? I'm Spencer Channel. And I'm Mallory Strom. I'm a composer, writer, and IMDb nerd. I'm an artist, mathematician, and I use Netflix as a nightlight. And what do we do on this show? What is this show? We, uh, we break down movies that we love and just sometimes TV shows that we love to find out why we love them so much in the first place and what we can learn from them to <laughs> make our own stuff better. <laughs> because we watch, we can't help but watch so closely. <laughs> We're nerdy people uh-huh. and we have strong opinions. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so we watch closely and we break down all the details from our shows to get closer to the shows we love and also closer to each other because the more you both know about anything the more you have in common you form a connection about stuff that you love so we're nerds uh, yeah. <laughs> we love being nerdy this is what we do so uh-huh. welcome to the show um on this week's episode we are breaking down hot fuzz oh yeah <laughs> hot fuzz oh my god Okay, so Hot Fuzz, such a funny movie. Of course, uh, if you know anything about Edgar Wright, you know he's great at visual storytelling and visual humor. Um, and there's uh, visual humor abound. In the, does that make any sense? <laughs> that, that, that's, that's a sentence. Vis- visual humor abounds that's, that's in, in this film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Edgar Wright is uh, really... Um, He's really well read uh, with, uh. with movies. Um, he just he, he's watched a bunch of movies, and it really shows. His movies are filled with like really great visual gags and like cliches mm-hmm. all over the place that like he just kind of plays with and, and references. Um, and so it's fun to to for me like the impression I get is it's like a, a guy who really likes movies, uh, like making a movie, but it's also like an homage to filmmaking in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> um, all the cliches you are familiar with and th- some of them subverted, some of them just presented in, in goofy and absurd ways. Uh-huh. And in that way, such a like a self-aware homage to movies in the first place. Um, just because like it makes fun of them and it also like appreciates movies and 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 it just knows the absurdity of what it's trying to do yeah and to me it makes me feel really comfortable watching the, watching the film because like it doesn't it, it sort of sets a boundary for itself in a way too where it's like this is a movie um uh-huh. <laughs> and we're here to have fun um and you know like it doesn't it doesn't matter what's going on outside the theater like it, it, movies are ultimately all about movies anyway and the only reason we're here is because we're here to watch a movie and this is a movie like it, it's it's uh-huh. it's so sort of self-referential and also just sort of referential to the the medium that you feel like you know it, it's just fun um it gives that sense of like you can just come here to escape um and whatever happens in this dream uh, only pertains to the world of the dream and you don't have to carry it into your real life um mm. you know i get the sense of just like feeling very safe and feeling very sort of taken care of um that's my impression maybe yeah. maybe uh, i mean i get that but i also think that uh, if you do happen to take this movie into your life at least like some parts of it you'll you'll find they're very rewarding to take into your life some of the commentary that goes on in this movie like with the neighborhood watch alliance the, the sort of like nimby uh, social group um is like 
appropriately applicable to a lot of things that happen in, in the real world once you step out of the movie theater as well. Fascist. <laughs> yeah. Hag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I totally see that. But at the same time, the film deals with the, those themes in a very sort of sanitary way mm. um, that is uh, uncomplicated and sort of plays a little bit of sleight of hand with like what aspects of those issues it chooses to present in a way that it's like incomplete. Um, and I think it's more fun that way but probably less applicable to the real world um and i'm sure we can get into this this is a big topic i guess we we both have been thinking about that we should get into maybe later in the podcast um we'll we'll dig deep into that for sure um but yeah edgar Wright. it's just it's funny it's hilarious um he's like visual storytelling is like super economic too he finds really creative ways to transition from one location to another uh really creative ways to set up the dynamic between characters really fast and of course it's just like packed with jokes in the dialogue and also with visual gags Uh um so every single moment it just feels very dense it feels very uh, it's almost unbelievably dense, like in a way where you're yeah. like, <laughs> and almost like incomprehensibly dense. <laughs> yeah, I remember like seeing it for the first time and just being in awe because I'm like, I can barely keep up with all of this. Uh-huh. It glues you to the screen, uh-huh. um, but that makes it so much more fun too. Just like not just just like barely being able to keep up with it, just is is so exciting and, and just so fun. <laughs> like that's what I'm here for. Like when I come to a movie, like that's what I'm coming yeah, for. That, well, are you watching closely? <laughs> like it, it asks us that question every single moment, and I think 100 yeah. percent. Like it rewards you for for close viewing. Um, uh-huh. and, you know, but there's 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 those different sorts of uh, sensibilities with comedy. There's like the sensibility of like, um, you know, don't uh, don't go too fast for the audience. Like, like uh, you want to make sure you don't lose the audience, um, and then there's the comic, the comic sensibility that's like I'm going to tell this joke as efficiently and uh, you know as rapidly as I can, and you know if you keep up, it feels even better because you were able to keep up, mm. which like I, I may be isolating to certain viewers. Like it's definitely yeah. a certain kind of uh, kind of uh, media that that requires a certain uh, relationship with to be rewarding, but like. Uh, it's my taste i like it (laughs) yeah that makes sense i also think that when it is that kind of like fast-paced joke telling that's like i'm gonna tell this joke as efficiently as possible and like see if you can keep up i think it's also fun when i can't keep up (laughs) because then i'm just like amused at myself as well as like knowing there's like a little bit of thread that i can keep following but like Uh it's just so funny to me that like my brain is just kind of like fritzing out at this like really quickly and densely told joke yeah i mean another part of it i think it's actually there are some ways that it's really easy to keep track of because um like edgar wright's really intentional with introducing things that are important um that pay off later on so Mm. some of those jokes are just like as long as you remember that there was a a situation involving a swan earlier then like the you know the the swan being in the road later on and like completing that arc of putting the swan in the police car like that it's Mm. like if something is introduced Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg keep playing with it in the screenplay in a way that's like uh, fun in a linear way. So it's not just like one-off gags that, that don't return as long as you remember that something happened earlier with, you know, a swan, (laughs) then the rest of it, 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 you know, just, uh, it feels more rewarding because it comes back. (laughs) 
kind of want to take that thread of like repetition and bring it into just like a whole new like segment of the podcast. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, Because I mean, what you said is like just seeing something that you've seen before, like seeing the the swan's arc complete is, (laughs) is like a joke, but also like bringing back specific gags um throughout the movie or like just like a scene that mirrors a previous scene happens all the time in in edgar wright and and like especially stuff that edgar wright and simon pegg wrote together uh, like the three cornettos the cornettos three flavors trilogy yeah those words in in that order i think yeah (laughs) Um, uh, and like that's also really amusing to me like just like the fact that the joke came back is funny and then the joke is funny a second time to me yeah yeah the, the, the like firing a gun in the air and yelling uh for instance that happens uh-huh. in hot fuzz a couple times yeah um, the like fascist hag like that exchange comes back a couple times uh-huh. um i'm sure we could think of, of a bunch more examples oh uh, uh sergeant angel uh look at his horse <laughs> uh-huh. you know like there's there's if you remember specific lines of dialogue they return and get played with and developed in ways that i think are fun but then also it's like just the fact that it was repeated again makes it feel like it's part of the world um, and it's like I feel like when something returns it makes me feel like I know this world uh, now like I, it feels mm-hmm. familiar in a way where it's like oh I know that this happens in the world of this story and when it comes back again I'm like ha 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 I'm, I'm a part of this now um, it's familiar to me I've, I've, I've met this corner of the world um, so when it returns and I see it again it's like seeing a familiar face and then when I walk out of the theater I remember remember it more because I've been reminded of it a few times throughout the movie so that when I walk out I can go fascist and my friend goes hag and Uh we we both know that because you know we were shown it a few times in a couple different variations yeah that's so interesting that it like feels familiar to you and and that like makes it more rewarding or more funny because you feel like you're like part of the world you feel like it's a a friend of yours maybe Mm -hmm. I I think part of what makes it funny to me is that it's unusual for a movie um, cause when I see like gags in a movie, I don't usually expect them to come back. And I, in my memory, Edgar Wright is like pretty unique in this way. Um, and so when I see, a a scene look very much like a previous scene. Like, I think that's funny because, like, that's not how movies are supposed to work to me. <laughs> it's like part of Edgar Wright, like, uh, doing homages to other films, but then it's also, like, his films start giving homages to themselves uh-huh. later and in the film. It's, like, not in a way that's, like, annoying. Like, somehow it's not annoying for, like, the film to become sort of nostalgic about itself. Hmm. But, like, the, the fact that it does that is, like, unfamiliar, and that's why it's funny to me. That's interesting. So, you would think that it'd boring seeing the same scene shot the same way multiple times uh, with you know slightly different variations like the scene where it's like oh Sergeant Angel look at his arse and then comes back and she says Sergeant Angel look at his horse yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that that well, but never mind. Actually, that's not a very good example of that. I guess what I'm thinking of is when they're in the shop, um, when and, and like they they oh, return yeah. to the shop a couple times, and each time they return to the shop, it's framed exactly the same way. Like they mm-hmm. just filmed it the same way on the same day, the and, same set, and the dialogues later, you know? are or the, the dialogue is the same each time because uh, it's it's a uh, actually it's just the one goose and then it, or swan, uh-huh. and then it's actually it's just the one killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. You you would think that would be uh, that would make you yawn because you're like, oh, I've already seen this already. But it has the opposite effect on me. Maybe it's because of how fast paced and dense the rest of the film is that when mm. you see the same thing twice, you're like, it's like a breath of relief. You're uh-huh. like, oh, okay, ooh, I I I I'm on I'm on steady ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever happens in this situation, at least I know I have some context for it. Um, you know, and, and maybe that's why it's interesting because the rest of the film is really dense and fast paced. It's like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. That makes sense. But I also get the sense that it's it's funny for the opposite reason. Like it's so like paradoxical. Like the way repetition is funny is so paradoxical in this film because also when I see something happen again, I'm like connecting it to the last time it happened and so I'm like weaving this web mm. of, of this like super dense film like in my mind as I'm watching it and like that's really rewarding as well. Because like that's that's what a story is in the first place anyway. Like like you have a reference point and then you move from that reference point to, to some sort of development or you cross a threshold and, and, and like that's the fun of a movie is watching a character develop over time in changing circumstances. Yeah. So it's almost like it takes that idea and and flips it around where it's like the setting... or maybe it's not the setting that changes, like just the the framing mechanism remaining the same and seeing, like checking in with our characters now uh-huh. that uh, n- now that they are different. How does the situation in the same lens um, become different? Mm-hmm. You know, like it, or how is it the same? <laughs> like how right. how is the growth stunted? And, yeah. and how is that funny? Tracking uh, the differences or the similarities over time with like cross sections, uh, you know, of life, which is like what a movie is in the first place um but maybe that's what makes it sort of compelling and not quite really repetition as much as it is like recapitulation um you Mm. know like it it returns after some developing but it's not exactly the same anymore it's familiar but uh with a few changes and and you know what it was before so you can see how the departure from the reference point um marks exactly the growth that's occurred Uh um and maybe that's just really efficient storytelling like maybe that's just another mechanism Edgar Wright uses to um to illustrate change um yeah I buy it Is it just me, or are we, like, uh, is our discussion taking on the pace of an Edgar Wright movie? I feel like we're moving faster and being more efficient than usual. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it might have something to do with the fact that we're thinking about hot fuzz, and it's, like, in our brains now, the pacing of the movie. Uh-huh. Oh, I think I'm talking faster than I usually do. I think I'm thinking faster than I usually do. <laughs> you know how, like, if people say, like, Mozart makes baby smart? Edgar Wright. <laughs> Edgar Wright. Makes uh, 20-somethings t- <laughs> talk faster. Um... <laughs> That's really foundational, though, I think, to Edgar Wright's style is the the fact that it's fast-paced, the fact that it's really economic. And I think he finds really creative ways to, uh, like, uh, tell stories, like, articulate characters changing, um, like we just talked about with repetition and recapitulation, that kind of thing. But also, like, just the visual storytelling. We should talk about visual storytelling a little bit, because there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, like, they say about, like, TV. TV is basically, like, a radio program uh, that you can watch. Um, like, mm. in television, most of the storytelling telling is done in the dialogue and you can put on uh you can put on a show in the background you can listen to bob's burgers while doing homework and you know exactly what the story is you know exactly what's going on who is in the scene uh tina belcher uh says oh hi jimmy jr 
Zeke, and like you know, <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> Tina, you know, Tina Jr., you know, there's Zeke. Uh, characters address each other all the time in TV, so you know exactly who's in the scene, and they use mm-hmm. each other's names and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, because that's the origin of television. Television replaced radio um, as a format. But movies are different. Movies are, are usually more reliant on visual storytelling than television is, which is like part of the sort of artisan TV uh, movement we have today, where it's like shows like Breaking Bad, for instance, do a lot of visual storytelling. Um, mm. Shows like Black Mirror. Um, like there's there, there, that was a rise in sort of like when streaming services came up and like HBO led a big movement about that with like... Uh, I guess Six Feet Under is an example. Artists in television that sort of House of Cards blends the, <laughs> the 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 medium of TV and movies so that there's a lot more visual storytelling in TV. But it's important to note that the origins of television is radio. And the origin of movies is like a movie theater. Um, right? Yeah. So um there's a lot of visual storytelling in Edgar Wright that is like apropos to the form, and there's a lot of storytelling that happens in the movie that doesn't happen through the dialogue, but happens merely from cues you see on screen, um, which I think is is really important to understanding uh, like what part of what makes Edgar Wright's style so fast paced is because not only are you listening carefully because the sound of the sound design is amazing in Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. it's like super specific and super immersive, um, and like there's jokes hidden in the sound design itself too, jokes that land better because of a sound effect like definitely sound is a huge part of 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 the movie but like sound effects and visuals um are i think underused comedic tools in film um you see a lot of like uh, american comedies that rely a lot upon like dialogue and puns and and jokes happening uh between characters that way um Mm -hmm. which more resembles a tv show and there's a director like edgar wright creating films in the uk who like really uses the rest of the medium to its fullest potential um for his purposes which is like the images on the screen and the sound design around you um, so, like, for instance, when Simon Pegg's character, uh, Angel, Sergeant Angel, Nicholas, Nicholas Angel, uh, <laughs> when he's uh, taking the trains to, and the taxis and everything, trans- transportation and stuff, to uh, the, the, the village, the name, I forget the name of the village already. Stamford. Stamford, yeah. Uh, is that right? Stanford. Stanford. Stam, Stam, Sanford. S A N D F O R D. Sam. Sanford. But it always sounds like S A M F O R D. Samford. 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 We're going to go with Samford. Uh, <laughs> I'm almost certain it's S-A-N-D-F-O-R-D. Okay, great. Sanford. So, so he's on his way to Sanford and, you know, like the way that that story is told is via um, these like uh, shots of taxi cabs, like a, a taxi cab the, whose lights are really modern in London. And then a taxi cab lights return later, but this time it's like older um, in, in the sort of more remote village that delineates change from like modernity to antiquity um, from like the, 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 the fast paced city to the slower to develop village. Mm. Um, and like, you wouldn't get that listening to the, the, sh- the movie. There's nothing in the dialogue to show that. But if you're watching closely and thinking about what you're seeing, you can uh, even subconsciously understand um, the progression from one place to another um, in a way that's like, all right, you could have just shown him like driving there, <laughs> but like, what would be the storytelling in that? Uh huh. And also, like, what would be the joke in that? Because uh, 
at the same time you get this like visual storytelling you get the the uh the sound design is is telling the story and also telling a joke by just like cutting between a bunch of unpleasant train sounds. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but yeah, <laughs> I well, think it is. I, it's definitely, uh, I think, absurd. Like it's oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's the unpleasantness of transit taken to an absurd level of like uh, just all these fast cuts and he falls asleep and then the train comes and it's it's really jarring and. Uh-huh. It's just, like, unexpected, uh, so I think it makes us laugh just because we're like, oh, what the heck? Uh, that's exactly what it's like to write a train. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, there's, I just, I love this. There's lots of storytelling. And then visual gags, like, the cake, like, what, <laughs> it's one of my favorite things is when, like, the, when he's sitting in, uh, in the, the new, uh, the, the, the chief of police in Sanford, when he's sitting in the guy's office and, and some, some other police, uh, police officer comes and offers them both slices of cake. Uh-huh. And, like, Simon Pegg's character is just centered in frame, sitting there looking across the desk, and then this, piece of cake just enters from the side of the frame and someone holds it out and starts kind of like wiggling it like here you want the cake and he's like no thanks and like it's such a great funny gag that's only funny from our perspective um because there's just this thing entering from side of frame Uh which is a a joke like a joke form that we talked about in arrested development too things entering unexpectedly from side of frame i forgot about that well it goes all the way back to buster keaton you know buster keaton was so brilliant at uh visual comedy of things entering unexpectedly from edges of the frame and and uh, really using entrances and exits uh on the threshold of the edges of the frame itself as like uh you know an opportunity for a joke mm-hmm. and i think edgar wright's probably watched buster keaton probably a <laughs> lot of buster keaton uh some 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 hot fuzz trivia is that like the 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 big movie collection that uh that uh, Nick Frost's character, I can't remember his name. Danny? Danny, yeah. Danny's movie collection is actually Edgar Wright's movie collection. Uh, the shelves <laughs> and shelves of, of, of DVDs uh, belong to Edgar Wright. So uh, that's one way we know Edgar Wright's well-versed. Another way we know it is because there's visual gags that go all the way back to Buster Keaton and Airplane. Uh, you know, the moment when the... the, the uh, the slasher, the, the slasher of prices. Oh, yeah. Uh, gosh, I'm having trouble with names today. Um, but the Skinner. Skinner, yeah. Mr. Skinner. <laughs> Mr. Skinner to the manager's office. Mr. Skinner. <laughs> when he he turns to the frame and gives us flashes a smile, and there's a picture of him, a portrait of him on the wall behind him with exactly the same smile. Uh-huh. And we hear like a... Like there's a sound effect that's like oh, some, some. I totally missed that sound effect. <laughs> you go back and watch it. There's like an alarm sounding that makes that even funnier because it it coincides with him flashing a smile. Oh my goodness! That joke literally it's exactly the same in airplane. Um, when when there's like the 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 uh, the guy controlling the terminal uh, leans on his desk uh, and and he's like he says something like I picked the wrong day to quit smoking because that's what he says all the time. It's probably what he said. Uh-huh. I can't remember though he leans forward on the desk and he just looks up and he says his line and then you can see on the wall behind him there's a portrait of him doing the exact same pose in the exact (laughs) same way Um, so it's like there's all of this comedy that's not new and like i said before like edgar wright pulls in a lot of things that are cliche but also just like uses them in 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 ways that tell stories and in ways that are really funny and pairs them visuals with sound design um in addition to the funny dialogue that really makes it feel like it's really dense because there's things happening in every form of the medium um whereas in a lot of other comic movies you know it's you only have to pay attention to the dialogue really yeah Thank you.
so the techniques of like visual storytelling and, and storytelling through the dialogue and also sound effects are really cool in this film. Um, but like, can we talk about the structure of the story they're telling in the first place? Because yeah, sure. um, this seems like a, a really specific thing to the Cornetto's Three Flavors trilogy. The story like m- mimics itself like structurally. Like the first half is analogous to the second half, um, or at least like the third act is analogous to the the first act in, in some ways. When Nick Angel like comes back from London, um, and he's resolved to be a different kind of police officer for a second um he sort of like goes through a lot of the same beats he like um walks into town and everyone's like oh look at nick angel look at his horse um and kind of has to has to go through like the same rites of passage a second time fascist yeah yeah Uh uh-huh and and of course in uh uh the world's end they just like go through all the bars in the beginning of the like in the first half of the film or in act one i guess and then they go through all the bars again Uh um just like in order Mm -hmm. and sean of the dead uh like earlier in the film sean sean talks about or maybe it's nick frost's character in sean of the dead where he's like uh you know maybe we should just go to the go to the pub uh drink a few whatever and 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 stay the night or whatever and then like that's exactly what happens later in the movie Uh bloody mary yeah and then finish off with uh, shots at the bar yes no exactly yeah. so it's like an unexpected way in that in that that one it definitely like harkens back to where it, uh, we embarked on the journey um that's so interesting yeah it's almost like after nick after nicholas angel's gone through his his transformation as a character and like become a master of both worlds he returns to to bring justice to stamford and so like reintroduces himself in a way where like he has to remake all those introductions of like oh it's angel, sergeant angel look at his arse and the, the like fascist hag like all the things that happened when he first arrived happen again in a, in a in a new way um and it's almost like walking through the entire like plot of the film one more time but yeah. this time it's with a different angel uh-huh and the film also has to walk through all the plot of the film again in the sort of like reveal sequence because it is sort of like a murder mystery yes. uh, type film and so when we get the reveal we have to go through each of the victims one more time um and and just like summarize them up in in a, a third way, really. Yeah, I feel like that's such a such a brilliant part of this movie. Is that like, like what genre is it? Like it's like a, a comedy, uh, a, a murder mystery, uh, like a, a drama. Like it's it's so, there's so many different genre elements to it, and it, it you know it makes references uh-huh. to all of them. Like literally, like the the color correction changes in a in a flash. <laughs> yeah. When the genre of the movie changes suddenly, uh-huh. um, which I think is really fun about it, and like sometimes we get those when we just like look at a different character who's like an archetype that maybe doesn't belong in this genre. Yeah, like we switch to Mr. Skinner, and like the film is like so green, and right. you're like why is it green? <laughs> or an action movie too. Like suddenly, yeah. every, the action is so heightened, and that's exactly what happens when when Angel comes back to the town. Is that we totally switch to this like absurd action. Uh, sequence um that uh has way too many cuts
cuts uh, <laughs> way uh-huh. too rapidly. But that's of the of the genre, so it's like an homage, but it's also sort of like a joke about films that are like this in the first place. Yeah, um, and also a joke about this film not belonging in any single genre. Like we're gonna get to go through all of these like really jolting changes because this film like can't remain in ev- any single style for too long because it's got other stuff to do it's excited well yeah i feel like like it's a movie for people who like movies like i feel like someone who isn't Mm. familiar with how movies are constructed would come into this and it would be a terrible first movie to watch because you're like what the heck is going on what is all this random where am i and like (laughs) it only makes sense if you've seen movies that uh are like the you know the styles it's paradising in different moments um Mm -hmm. you know i think if you have those reference points it's really fun anyway we're getting off on a tangent um because you were talking about how the story sort of mirrors itself uh like entering the bottom half of the story circle and then like exiting uh to back to the top half of the story circle like that uh-huh. threshold is crossed um both in both directions in sort of a similar way where it yeah. makes reference to the descent down you know in the ascent back up uh-huh and i think that's also like a really efficient way to tell that part of the story because, like, as we talked about before, like, seeing it back in the same sort of structure, like, seeing the return threshold in the same structure as, like, the go threshold mm. makes it a little bit easier to, like, fit in all of the changes, like, or to, like, catalog the changes now that you see the character who has changed in the same scenario through the same lens. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 so crazy because it, it makes it feel like it, <laughs> you get the sense, I get the sense watching this movie that it's, like, every, how is this so carefully? planned like all of these things pay off and it's like well it's not not really that it's like planted early on it's just that like this is what happened when he got here and like we have to make reference to it because it's what had happened you know you like right. you get the sense that it's like wow this is so so densely designed how did they even like come up with all these things it's like well yeah it's just it's just whatever happened before is happening again in a different way huh, they didn't have to come up with it <laughs> no no they just look at what they wrote on 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 page 20 and then write it again on page 100 yeah <laughs> the thing that really interests me about the story structure in Hot Fuzz is the bottom half of the circle. When when Sergeant like we have all of these really fun gags and and scenes when Sergeant Angel is adjusting to life in in Samford. Um we get all this fun stuff with his new his new partner uh whose name Danny um and there, he doesn't. Sergeant Angel is like, ah, oh, Danny's such a nuisance, but he kind of likes that Danny's following him around and treating him like a hero because mm-hmm. he kind of wants to be treated like a hero. You know, like there's all these fun things that go on in the the first half of, of Act Two with the Swan and you know the, the human statue, whatever. Yeah, and like the absurdity of those things that happen, like illustrate to us that we are in the bottom half of the story circle. Because it's, like, totally different from, like, what uh, Sergeant Angel had seen in London. Absolutely. We're in a different world now, and things operate in a way that's amusing, especially given the way we've been introduced to, you know, London and, and, and Sergeant Angel in London, and uh-huh. seeing how he reacts to the things, the, the fair, and all, all this stuff is like, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun, you know? It's uh-huh. a lot of fun, and it goes on for a while. Honestly, watching the movie, I was like, wow, like, we are spending a lot of time. We spend so much time there that I think... I, I kind of 
forgot in a way uh, like the fact that these characters have all these traits that are going to sort of come to come to a head and i almost i almost started doubting that the film was going to follow through on like the uh, genuinely fallen through follow through on the characters it set up it got Mm. so wacky it got so absurd it got so silly that i was like oh i guess we might not get to watch a full arc for a sergeant angel or danny and then we do um Mm -hmm. i loved the approach to the to the inner cave or is it inmost cave inmost the inmost cave it's a chris vogler term possibly innermost (laughs) the innermost innermost in in moster the innerest and mostest cave Um, when he's approaching the church and he finds the the NWA, uh, the Neighborhood Watch Alliance, and and uh, like all villains do uh, at the find section of, of of the action film, they explain their entire plan. <laughs> they tell the hero exactly what they're doing um, and what they're going to do next. But like it's a it's a really wonderful realization, uh, like a really great epiphany. And then not only that, but we get this like atonement thing that occurs with Danny and. His his dad mm. we get we get another atonement between like sergeant angel and and the 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 patriarchs in london who sent him here oh, yeah. uh, in the first place um because he's he, he 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 resisted his purpose you know when they sent him to to this remote village he thought he was better than that he wanted to be stationed in london and by the end of the film, his position has changed. He wants to stay in Stamford. He feels like this is where he belongs. And he tells those uh, higher-ups uh, from the London police force, sorry, London police service, <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that he wants to remain in Stamford. And that's, that's the atonement he gets to go through, is to realize that this is where you know, he, he really belongs, uh, is this, this place. Right. And, and to realize that, like the reason this is the place he belongs is because this is the place where he can like have a connection with humans outside of work and to like even have connection with humans in work, but it's like a really like human and close and like friendly connection. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not just like him being closed off to everything, but his, his passion or his duty or, you know, his profession. Yeah. You never shut off. Yeah, that's yeah. his whole character flaw is that he just is so focused on the work. And that's how we're introduced to him at the beginning of the film, too, is he's like uh, Martin Freeman's great monologue at the beginning that explains just how how uh, how high-achieving a police officer Sergeant Angel is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to see him sort of, Danny, as a foil, sort of tease out the human elements of Sergeant Angel. And Sergeant Angel, in teasing out the responsible uh, uh officer of the law <laughs> elements of danny yeah it's a great it's a great uh, uh companion uh <laughs> really really fun dynamic so anyway i just the, the story is just really excellent um and it it tracks all the way through it it, it follows the characters and 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 they they encounter obstacles and and they they find things that are exactly the things that they need to find to go on on completed arcs. Yeah. So I just have a lot of respect for the writing. Um, mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for the way it's structured and um and and how rich the characters are and how consistent they are through the whole film. Yeah. It's great. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to circle back to something we sort of threw out in our uh, intro, like first impressions part about sort of uh, like the movie uh, having something to say about movies for sure, but then also like being relevant to real life. 
Um, and you talked about how like there's certain elements of the film where if you take them back into real life, they'll be really helpful. You, we talked sort of about like like fascism um, and like standing up to injustice and that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. I've been thinking a lot about that actually since watching the film um, as like uh, it, it absolutely grapples with uh, with themes of justice right? Police um, officers are uh, uh, often in in film symbols of justice. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes not in the case of Hitchcock, they're symbols of terror and (laughs) fascism. And like, that's exactly the thing is it's like, um, it's an interesting thing the movie does. And this is, I I hinted at this a little bit in the intro. So let me, let me just sort of like expand on what I, what I, what I was thinking earlier. We're telling a story that's very limited in scope. (laughs) Um, and so like, while it does have, uh, themes about fascism and we do have like, uh, you know, uh, this whole like NWA group, um, that is definitely murdering, people uh-huh. um it's 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 it it, it it sort of does away with a lot of the complications um that exist in the real world with like justice and mm-hmm. and and uh, a a a division of the government devoted to enforcing uh justice in communities um so i don't know i think it's important to note this is a really yeah. fun movie uh-huh um Especially for white people, because we're represented in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Main characters are white, and we know we know about like uh, I, I have experience with lots of like especially older white people trying to uh, maintain a certain kind of community um, uh-huh. and using nefarious methods to like enforce a way of life upon uh, you know a community. But um, you know, at the at the same time, it's like this is a, a sort of a limited scope. Um, it's not meant to be like a really thorough examination of much of anything really. Um, as much as it is like, if you imagine these characters in this kind of world, um, this is what they do. So I feel like that's entertaining. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't like it's, I, I, there's some things that carry over into real life, but it's pretty uncomplicated. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot of it. I feel like it's just, uh, it's just fun and not, not like not much use beyond that and I, I guess i don't really disagree i definitely was noticing like some other things that that happen in the film that have a lot more to do with uh i mean like it, it is a, a film that like white people can really enjoy because we're like represented in it um and also it reflects this nefarious uh thing that like i've seen of like like establishment nwa like like nimby kind of group uh nimby if you're not familiar being a a, standing for uh not in my backyard um (laughs) kind of like community organizers who just like don't want any change in their neighborhood um people who have backyards yeah (laughs) single family homes yeah suburbia (laughs) yeah um and and I think it does like reflect that in in a way that like if you if you dig into it a little bit dig into the representation of of that like attitude in the film you might discover a new way of recognizing it in 
like real life mm. um where like the nwa members are like really friendly and supportive and like offer you chocolate cake um <laughs> <laughs> when they're like not in like robes and murdering people yeah right um, it seems the only punishment for 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 behavior is like just desserts which like takes a really dark turn when we realize that the just desserts he was referring to is like murdering the the, the guy and throwing him in the yeah, basement of the church yeah 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 and it, it it seems really that like in the world of the film the reason that the nwa can like take so much power is because the town isn't governed by a, a an agreed on set of rules and principles and laws that are enforced by uh, a trusted and and uh visible um police service right um and it's a movie and it's for fun. And I don't know if that like actually translates into real life, but the movie does like make sort of like the argument for enforcement of the law by a visible and by an accountable um, police force uh, yeah. <laughs> where like everybody like has like a general idea of what's going to happen and that people aren't going to be murdered and thrown under a church. Right. Yeah. There's also this element of like, I mean, it, it depicts various forms of, of, of police service as well, where like Sergeant Angel is like very uh, responsible and like uh, has a certain interpretation of the law um, that like the police service in uh Stanford doesn't share. Um, Stanford's mm-hmm. police service is completely corrupt and totally unaccountable to the the citizens of the town, um, uh, because it's like controlled by a, a small interest group uh-huh. um, that lobbies for and aids in uh, a certain interpretation of the law uh, and uh-huh. and and even a, dis- a total disregard for the law. Yeah, and, and using just the, the the tools and mechanisms of the police to uh, to achieve certain goals yeah and to to enforce a a set of shared values that like uh, aren't the law but are like pretty ingrained in the 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 shared values of the nwa but aren't shared by all members of the community yeah so in that sense it's completely undemocratic Mm -hmm. um uh, which is to say fascist (laughs) (laughs) hag Um, so it, it, I mean, I, I'm totally, with, I'm totally with you there as like a thought experiment. Like I think it's an interesting film. Um, and uh-huh. I think definitely there are certain themes and, and ideas like it, it, an external force of justice arriving and seeing more clearly than the citizenry, uh, mm-hmm. the state of affairs, uh, when, when justice is concerned, like uh, uh, Sergeant Angel, if anything, I think it's most important that he's just from elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. and all it takes is, is, uh, like an antidote, uh, of like someone from another place arriving to a evaluate what's going on um, mm-hmm. to see all of the flaws in the way the, that life is conducted because yeah. of all the blind spots that people develop living in this, in this place. Yeah. But also like, especially a strong character from someone else because he's not the first uh, new Sergeant to come into this town. True. Um, yeah. The other one was killed. Yeah. Um, he had to be pretty strong though. I mean, yeah, like, he, like yeah. seriously. Yeah. Not, not like your Sergeant was weak, <laughs> but <laughs> right, we right, needed, right. they needed an angel. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, I, there's lots of lots of great themes, interesting things to explore. Yeah. I just I like I I, I always start I, I, that kind of thought with like a big uh, disclaimer, which is exactly uh-huh. what I did. Where I'm like, look, <laughs> yeah, this is very limited in its scope. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm totally with you there. I see. I absolutely see that there are there are things that anyone can learn uh, about sort of uh, forces of justice and injustice and uh, yeah, absolutely corruption. 
dismantling corruption fascism and it's like pretty fun to dig into as long as you like add your healthy pinch of salt yes which i think the film reminds you to do periodically Mm -hmm. (laughs) 100 all right so that's our podcast on hot fuzz that's right hot fuzz (laughs) by edgar wright and simon pegg directed by edgar wright starring simon pegg nick frost among many others including filch from harry potter Thanks, scores IMDb. by david arnold it's a great it's a great i, I just love also a uh, side note music supervision by nick, nick angel, angel. <laughs> music supervisor the music supervisor's name is properly nick angel who also supervised music on paddington too yes <laughs> and uh the world's end and probably Shaun of the dead though i can't remember off the top of my head yeah, well i love edgar wright movies and, and this is no exception hot fuzz was a lot of fun to watch i'm glad mm-hmm. we watched it again and it was fun discussing it maybe we'll do some more edgar wright movies in the future oh, i hope so but for now that's our show are you watching closely is produced edited and with music by yours truly spencer channel the cover art is by spencer and me mallory strom the photo in our cover art is by spencer you can email us at are you watching closely podcast at gmail.com and if you like what we're doing please uh we'd love some support on our patreon the link is in the description uh if you give us five dollars a month then you'll get access to a companion podcast close viewers as well as cut for time segments and uh outtakes from this show are you watching closely and there's also stuff on the patreon that's not just for patrons it's for everybody you can see it whether you're a patron or not um including dan Harmon's uh article explaining the story circle lots of other cool links and stuff we share up there that's a lot of fun yeah thanks for listening i've been spencer channel and i've been mallory strong we'll Will continue to be <laughs> till our next episode keep watching closely thanks for listening bye